0: Hi, I'm Scott. And I'm Seth. And I'm Ito. And we are track. wasn't rehearsed. (laughs) (laughs) We are track walking. Uh, We do this in one take, you can tell. (laughs) We do. Uh, Tonight we have the 2023 Grid Life Track Battle Street GT Champion hopefully but i think so but hopefully is there a chance you don't get it i thought you had like the perfect i thought you had like the perfect score at this point
1: i i don't think so but like i don't want to say that i'm champion before i'm champion sort of thing
2: you don't print the t-shirts beforehand so you can just put it on at the championship
0: and yeah okay okay um ito Waxman. hi ito hi thanks for having me (laughs) yeah of course um so I've, I mean, we've shared a paddock for a fair bit. So the weird part for me is like, I can't even place when we first actually met. I know it was through other people and friends and we kind of said hi and have known about each other. But how long have you been in the life paddock? Um, so I think that would be 2020.
1: When I did my first grid life event. Okay. Um, And like, I think that was the, I I instructed for it. It was grid life at mid Ohio
0: in 2020. Yeah. Um, And
1: I think, I think I met you
0: instructing. Yeah. I I was was about to say that that's gotta be it. I mean, we've, and we've instructed everything from, from there to here at this point. Uh, Mm -hmm. So where, where did you come from, Ito? Where, uh, what planet did you drop off of? <laughs> um, I guess it's planet autocross. Yeah, there it um, is. Tell me, okay, there's going to be a section at some point down the road in this podcast where I want you to explain PAX as simply as possible because oh, that's easy. That's everybody easy. tell says PAX. I have no clue, generally, no interest, but like I feel like I should know what it is. It's so I mean, it's easy. Okay, it's sure. not
1: that complicated. Okay,
0: we we can
1: talk about. I can give it to you. Is this like is this right like now. golf
0: or bowling handicaps?
1: It, basically, it's like okay. it's a multiplier that's just based off of like car speed, right? So like, uh, the way it works is this super like winged, like big wings, yep. uh tube frame chassis thing slicks, on slicks,
0: turbos. is an index.
1: Yeah, is an index of one and that class is called a modified. So a modified is the like the king of the hill. Like gotcha. the fast time you run fast. Yeah, the time you run is your index time. Okay. Everything else is basically a percentage of that. So every class has okay. some amount of speed uh, slower than that. So it's gets some percentage of that
0: and now, then now is it just edit. sets like is there just a number per year or does this change yes. from event to event so
1: it's really funny there's a pack czar uh who basically like takes results takes like national and local results compiles it into some sort of like excel spreadsheet or program Huge I don't know nerd Huge and yeah nerd. and he like generates a per a table of percentages for each <laughs> class for the year okay um and what you often find is new classes, their index tends to be not correctly judged because he has to figure out what like just based off of like numbers on paper, how it's going to be relative to other classes. Okay, And it takes, you know, two or three years to figure that out. And, you know, as new cards get introduced to classes or new developments happen, the numbers adjust. You know, year over year.
0: Okay, okay, that makes sense.
2: I'm yeah, up, I'm on up board. So theoretically, yeah. if you show up in your your crappy Ford Fiesta, and uh-huh. you can be like, "I'm actually faster than the guy in the Z06 Corvette."
1: Yeah, that's based on packs. It's all, it's all a way for poor people in slow cars to hold something over the bourgeoisie I in. In the expensive cars, and that's why yeah. I like packs. Like I, it's really nice when you show up to like an autocross, and you're the only one in whatever class you're in. But you, and then there's other people that you know of that are fast, but they aren't in your car. Like the only way that you can compare yourself to them is through packs, and that's why packs is awesome. And that's gotcha. also why I think there should be a PAX in Grid Lifetime Attack. Here's that's a hard take for you right there, baby. <laughs> Okay. There you go. We're starting off strong. Okay. Yeah. The how cool how cool would it be if you could have like the fastest Club TR person, the fastest street person, the fa- fastest street GT person, and you just compare it to like the street mod, the track mod guys? Like, I I don't know. I think that'd be sweet. So, is there
2: anything stopping you from doing that? Like, like be the change you want to see in the world. Here, <laughs> it's
1: that I, honestly, like I think that would be awesome to do but I don't have the time or energy to do it myself. See,
0: here's, it's, it's actually quite easy. The Apex Pro system has an Apex score given to each lap, which is the percentage over the entire lap of the tires that you used. So you could have a 115 at mid-Ohio, but only be using 70% of the tires averaged over the lap. Or you could have like a 140 in a slow Sunday, well, hell, I don't even think that's a slow Sunday Cup car, but a Sunday Cup car using 85% of the tires driving the wheels off of it.
1: Mm.
0: But but isn't the problem
1: with that, though, is that the Apex Pro is just going to take whatever maximum g it found during all of your sessions and say oh that must be the maximum possible g but if somebody's really under driving their car doesn't that like artificially decrease it
0: it's pretty good at figuring that out okay that is true um but you can see that over the course of the lap as or over the course of the session so mm-hmm. and it'll kind of go back and readjust all the laps mm-hmm. based on the information. It does generally reset from session to session if you turn it off and then back on again. If you just mm-hmm. leave it on it just saves all that. I think I you actually, should just go
2: by past results like like do this old school, build a spreadsheet, add to the spreadsheet after every event. Oh, right. Make like do some data crunching here and honestly, I don't think that's the time part of all of this. I think the real time part of it will be defending yourself on the internet.
1: Oh yeah, off your I choices. Mean, I mean, that's what, that's what the packs czar like faces all the time. Like there's infinite threads about people complaining about their index and their packs and blah, blah, blah. And like, fortunately at the national level, it doesn't matter. Packs does not matter. Like at solo nationals, there's multiple tens of people in your class. So you can, yeah. you have plenty of people to compare to.
0: So, uh, so here's what you need to do then, because the Grid Life Dino has its own Facebook um, mm-hmm. page. Mm-hmm. At this point, I think you need to make a Grid Life Packs anonymous, like have multiple contributors and just mm-hmm. post shit all the time. I mean, I've
1: we've talked about it. I've talked about it with Tom O'Gorman a lot. Of like, how about you just like take out all these cars? It, like in the same place
0: yeah have a tom o'gorman pass yeah
1: that's all you need
0: yeah. that's really all you need yeah. and then a <laughs> percentage <laughs> off of what tom was yeah. able to do in your car yes. over three laps yep and yep. then you can spend the rest of your life chasing that
1: yeah or you either use it that way or use him to tell you what cars are how fast each car is and then that's you use him as the per as the percentage person you yeah. know what i mean
0: heard heard things from the uh Winning formula chili cookoff over the weekend, too.
1: Ooh, me, me, I also have heard things oh. spicy. Um, I
0: haven't heard tank. anything. Spill it. Corvettes are fast. Weird. <laughs> Who knew? Crazy. <laughs> um, so you okay? So you came from the autocross world in such a way that you intimately know about packs and have opinions on that and things. Where, how, what was your entrance ramp? into autocross in the first place
1: uh so i've always had i've had an interest in racing and cars since i was in middle school but i never had i didn't have like the social circle to take advantage of that until I graduated college. So
0: you didn't have friends or you didn't have the social I had
1: I had friends. So well (laughs) and in in high school I had a harder time making friends. But in college um I was in FSAE all four years. Um but like I didn't have the time or the money to compete in anything. Uh so it took like graduating and having money to basically say, okay uh, and then have one of my friends from FSAE show me like motorsports reg and m- what used to be like my auto events and like, show me where to register, show me where to go to an event. And like, it literally took the first event and I was like, okay, I guess I'll just do this for the rest of my life. Like, this is what I'll spend all of my money on. Like, it's really funny because when I first graduated college pre autocross, mm-hmm. I was like, trying to like go to bars and like trying to go to like music festivals and like, I'm trying to be like, Oh, is this what adults are into? Like, I, I gotta, like, I gotta figure something to do now that I'm not in school and I don't have homework and it sucked. And I like felt horribly uncomfortable in all of those environments. And then I went to an autocross and I found my people and now here I am like almost 10 years later and I'm still doing it and I'm still wasting all of my money on it.
0: Yeah, and you happen to join the organization that does music festivals and that sort of stuff anyway. Right. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Purely by coincidence, but trust me, like I I did my first Midwest fest this year and like
0: I was still very uncomfortable in during the concert. Most most of the drivers I know and are well, most of the drivers I'm good friends with don't really venture over that way much, which is fine. But yeah, it's not a requirement for sure. Mm-hmm.
1: I, I, I'm always a big believer, in I'm gonna experience Midwest fest to its fullest. Uh, so I was like, okay, I'm, I'm gonna go to the concert. Like I like dubstep. I'm I'm into dubstep. So I was like, okay, yeah, this will this will be good. And it was fine. And then I got really uncomfortable when like people were starting to like swing on the like the fences separating the VIP area from like the rest of the general admission. And I was like, ah, I'm really uncomfortable. <laughs> I want to leave. And then I left.
0: Yep. I get it. Um, so what happened to you in middle school that brought you to a, like, was it a like of driving or a like of cars? Yeah. I want to know how he gets from middle school to formula SE. Oh yeah, man. That's... Because. Yeah. Uh, so Speaking of uh, a coming be- of age story right
1: here. Yeah, absolutely. Well, okay, so um my it all starts with liking yeah. hockey, believe it or not. So okay. I was huge, am still a huge hockey fan. Yep. Um and Who's, what's your team? Colorado Avalanche. Because okay. that's where uh, I, I was born in Israel and then I immigrated into the US into Denver when I was seven. And you know, I didn't know anything about hockey until I basically like until one time when uh, my dad was given hockey tickets to the Avalanche game and we went and like we both fell in love with like that sport as a whole. Yeah. So hockey was my passion until the 0304 lockout happened. And when the lockout happened and I like couldn't watch hockey, my dad introduced me to his childhood, one of his childhood sports, which was Formula One. And I was like enthralled with it. Like that was that was it. Like w- once I started watching Formula One, it was like that's what I wanted. That's like that's like sparked my whole interest in cars and everything. Uh,
0: so um, I'm, I'm trying to remember. Oh three oh four was Montoya still in at that point?
1: Yeah, yeah. So uh, that was I I started watching um, mi- midway through Schumacher's 2004 utter domination. Like. Okay. You know, every race, it was either him or Barkello, like every single race. Uh, and yeah, so then I don't think Montoya was in that season. He might have been in McLaren. Um, but then 05 was Alonso's like first championship. Yep. Um, I remember I remember Schumacher uh, getting passed at Suzuka to lose a championship to Alonso. Because um, I think I was I started out as a Schumacher fan, for whatever reason. Um, fortunately, since then I've realized the pain and suffering that comes with being a Ferrari fan, so I'm no longer really a Ferrari <laughs> fan.
0: Um, Be- Becky has Ferrari apparel, uh, specifically Carlos Sainz. That's her you know, boy.
1: Hey, that's I'm a huge fan. Carlos Sainz is a very underrated driver.
0: Whole um, wholeheartedly agree. And then I got to be the one to deliver the news your boy had a fuel leak that they couldn't fix in time yeah that was
1: unfortunate (laughs)
0: um
1: anyway yeah so yeah formula one was basically what sparked my interest in cars as a whole and i didn't really think about racing them until i started autocrossing um so it started out as purely like a technical interest um that's what drove me to go to Purdue for aerospace engineering. That's what drove me to do Formula SAE. Like that was that drove all of that desire. And then once I actually had like the opportunity and the money to be able to compete myself, that's when like the spark for driving, I guess, really took off.
2: Did you know about Formula SAE when you went to Purdue at first? Or is that something you found out?
1: No, I I walking into it. I knew when I was applying for colleges that I wanted to do FSA.
2: Especially okay, my at, daughter, my sp- daughter is doing the same thing. And Purdue is one of the schools she's looking at purely because of their formula SAE program.
0: I was about to say, have- if, if you go to Purdue for this kind of degree, you've already shopped around and you know, <laughs>
1: I have um, interesting opinions or I don't know. They're interesting to me. I have rants about we, colleges as a whole.
0: We love a good rant. We do. Strong opinions make us happy. The floor is yours. I. All right. How do I. Now I've I've had plenty of friends. My mom went to Purdue back in the day. Had plenty of friends go to Purdue. I'm not. Purdue is a
1: fantastic research college for people that would like to pursue research and theoretical things. Go on. (laughs) I don't particularly feel that it gave me much value in practical knowledge. Uh, and, and in fact, in my FSAE days, it was not a particularly well-supported FSAE team at the school. Okay. I, I don't know what it's like now. I think they are better now. Um, and their results have gotten better and better. I haven't followed FSAE very closely in for the last couple of years, but a little bit. But in my time, um, it wasn't a very well-supported program by the school, um, and I wasn't getting much practical knowledge out of my classroom learning. Uh, that's all I'll have to say about so, that. So you're, I, re-
0: so you're real good at math, is what you're saying?
1: No, no, I'm I'm awful at math. <laughs> I'm not good at math. Uh, my brain isn't a math brain. My brain is a is a very qualitative. Um, like it's it's a it's a creativity like artistic brain more than it is a mathematics brain okay and i will be the first to say that my technical proficiency in aerodynamics is the lacking part of my like engineering of like my uh skill set i would say um so you know uh it's not like talking to other people that I've met in the industry who have come from more practical focused schools that aren't quote unquote, highly ranked. They have a much, they received a lot more important uh, training and, uh, and teaching in practical application of aerodynamics, which is something that I missed a lot of in school. I feel like, um, we, so I'll end my rant by saying that U.S. News and World Ranking college rankings are bullshit and <laughs> and I hate them basically.
0: So it, 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 wholeheartedly difficult for me to compare the two. All I can say is that the seminary that I went to is one of the giants of academia and The professors there, heads of their field, ridiculously smart. And the one consistent complaint I heard from a lot of my friends and classmates is it's all heady. Like it's all academic work. Like hardly any of it is practical for pastors and ministers and chaplains and kind of all this stuff. Now Mm -hmm. that's kind of where my brain was. So I was kind of, I was always doing the interpretive dance throughout everything but I wonder if you know some of these schools that fancy themselves to be the best have to kind of prove that like to their students by going to this theoretical level because I think in academia that it's the theory that makes that they think sets them apart because practical stuff is like oh, that's just guys turning wrenches and measuring stuff.
1: I I I don't know, I'm not an expert on the field of academia or how research colleges work. But my impression of the system is that the colleges get the money from from getting grants or from getting mm-hmm. uh you know, you know money to research things. Yep. And they hire people and professors who are good at At those things those professors do not have uh, at Purdue none of those professors really were had anything to do with the automotive industry let alone the motorsports industry um, outside of IUPY, which is effectively a separate school and which is a good school from what I've heard Um, so what it comes down to is people should choose schools not based on uh, world rankings they should be choosing it based on curriculum and um, understanding who their teachers are going to be. And I didn't do that. I went purely off, you know, I knew I wanted to do aerodynamics, so I went to the school that was the best at aerospace engineering that I could get into. And I don't personally feel that choice benefited me all that much. So So you went into Purdue...
2: What Are we going to rehash this? No. I just want to be like, alright, so if you come out of college being like I'm disappointed, mm-hmm. how do you translate that into I'm successful and disappointed?
1: Uh, I, I mean, I guess, are you calling me successful?
2: I'm implying some level of success because you, you've you made it You work at
0: Pratt and show. Miller. I mean, that's, <laughs> I, that in and of itself is a pretty decent placement.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, thanks. You're welcome. Uh, I'm bad at accepting compliments. I don't know like how to respond to compliments. That's right. one. we'll, we'll bring uh, you down a notch later. R- no, I, I'm gonna bring. Hold on, I'm gonna bring myself down a notch. Jesus. Uh, uh, I first of all, FSAE was my stepping stone into the automotive uh, world. I would not have gotten my first job out of college at Ford without FSAE on my resume. And then to get into, I was not hired at Ford for aerodynamics. I was hired into fuel systems. Um, And it was through uh, annoying my mentor there enough to let me have a rotation in the aerodynamics group that I built something on my resume that allowed me to apply for my first actual aerodynamics job. And I do think I'm, I'm great, I'm good at talking and I'm very emotional. Uh, I'm, I'm a, I'm a open, I'm an open book. So it's very easy for me to express passion and interest in something that I'm passionate, interested in. And I'm, was very fortunate that Honda gave me that opportunity. Um, and I, I, and I built my whole, like, that's what I built my resume on and then funnily enough i only i got into pratt miller through um a a friend in autocross that i met i met at autocross who works there also as an aerodynamicist and it was through his referral that i got the job at pratt miller so
0: uh Uh, okay hold on hold on though i will say it is way better to have a friend refer you than it is to like make it on merit I'll, I'll be the first to say like that is a totally legit and viable way to get into a place where you want to get to and actually that's like how it's done now like you can be great at things and if nobody knows you or care gives a shit about you mm-hmm. it's not gonna happen
1: yeah um I I do think I'm I guess I've said all that that could be interpreted as, I don't think I'm qualified for what I do. I do feel qualified, but I, I think a lot of fortune and a lot of luck and like personal social connections has, have gotten me to where I am now, which which is a place that I'm very happy in. Um, and I refuse to give Purdue any credit for it basically (laughs) because I'm, I mean, and I
0: hold grudges. That's, how you feel <laughs> that's where we're at real quick so you're a sweaty 17 year old looking at going to college and like you want to do aerodynamics mm-hmm. what was that a res- was that like a direct result from f1 yeah okay 100 yeah. so it was I mean, like I, looking again, at these cars develop and
1: yeah like i'll this 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 whole this whole story is like on was on all of my college letters, by the way. So like that's oh, why this is of course sounds so well versed. Uh-huh. but I mean basically I started in 04, 06, 07 is when they started growing all these weird appendages on everything. Um and then 08 is when things like the double diffuser happened, f duct, s duct, all that kind of stuff. So I started watching F1 in like when aerodynamics started peaking as like the, the most important design factor and like trying to understand why the cars looked the way that they did was the driving factor of like why I wanted to do aerodynamics Um jokes on me. Now I understand that half of those shapes are drawn with random splines in Katia and you put it in a wind tunnel and you're like, Oh, this is good. Or, Oh, this is bad. And then (laughs) like,
0: there's, they're just screwing around trying to figure it out.
1: (laughs) They're they're not screwing around, but there's a lot of intuition. I think there's a lot of like intuition and uh, application of like very fundamental principles um, that make, people like Adrian Newey extremely successful.
2: I was going to say, how do you feel about Adrian Newey and his French curve and that sort of thing?
1: Uh, first of all, if you haven't read his book, you should read his book. Cause his re- book is like amazing how to build a race, how to build a car. Um, that gives a lot of insight as to like his process. Um, and p- part of my, uh, Again, like part of the thing that I a little bit of the grudge that I hold against my education is I don't feel like I have enough of the fundamental understanding uh, sometimes to like get to that level. And I, I, I see that as a weakness in myself that I'm still looking to improve. Unfortunately, it's extremely difficult to get the information and the education Uh, Of those fundamental principles um, at the level, like to get beyond the level that I'm at, it takes a lot of, um, it's very difficult to find that information uh, on the internet or like anywhere really. So um, that's where I feel like if I had a better, if I had a teacher that was more focused or had expertise in this field that I'm in. I feel like I it would have given me like a better head start or uh yeah just m- a better foundation um and, and I think the 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 strength that I bring is is creativity um and outside the box thinking uh that's like that's what I bring to a team value like valuable to a team and I want to add, like, I, I I'm putting effort into adding the more fundamental, more technical knowledge, so that that uh, leads to more innovation uh, by taking advantage of some of those fundamentals. If that makes sense.
0: That was a cover lover if letter, if I've ever heard one. Yeah, I'll that's your you're hired. Try
1: to bring it together. No, that's
0: definitely hired. That's sounds way smarter than I am. He is so what would you say you do right now then <laughs> at pratt and miller um yeah uh aerodynamics engineer um
1: very very lucky to have uh participated in building the new gt3 car from pratt miller um it's super cool to see that um
0: the mustang right no no that's the gt4 no. car
1: that that's the ford car. uh i think that's a multimatic that builds that designs that one. That's um right. Pratt Miller is um known for corvette racing. Corvette. so yes, thank you. um you know we've we've been developing or we developed um i think the like the the C5R and then more famously the C6, C7R. Yep. um okay. Yeah, uh so very very lucky and fortunate to be in that position um uh, it's my dream job i love it um i've learned so much in the two and a half years that i've been there um and it's yeah it's it's i can't say enough good things about it
0: i feel like we need to have like a roundtable podcast that no one would listen to but with you ryan and tim and we just like throw out like all right what do you want on this part of the car for this kind of racing and these are your parameters sort of thing like and let you guys like engineer the shit out of something
1: well the interesting thing is um if you ask my co-workers um who both have um you know a decade plus of experience um they'll be the first to tell you that you can't make judgments based off of like, um, ideas, you know, they'll be the first to say that you need to test it and all of my, uh, and, you know, it's, I try very hard. And I think something that I learned, you know, after these two and a half years is it's really important not to make assumptions or not to make predictions based off of, data that i don't have sure um and all of my knowledge is i, I have knowledge based on uh full size suvs in drag reduction and i have knowledge based on <laughs> gt3 cars in you know in their lap time performance S- same time uh, a, a gltc car or street mod car is not a gt3 car and it's not a full size suv That's fair so there's there's a lot of things that it's very dangerous to apply principles from those things to uh,
0: something completely different. Yeah, I, I mean, but we could do like, not maybe not principle, but maybe like guidelines. You yeah, know the thing? <laughs> for sure. For sure. I think
1: I'm a lot more careful about, um, I try to be more careful about sharing those yeah. like insights and opinions um, than I used to be. So it's hard for me to like talk super publicly about that kind of stuff, you know what I mean? i
2: say, don't you have everybody in in the Grid life paddock go like, "Hey, you're smart. Let me ask you about wings."
1: No, they're
0: men. They already know everything.
1: I get I get surprisingly, I mean, not a lot of people know like my background or Well, now whatever, they do. So I don't,
2: They'll all listen to this and uh, just
1: that I <laughs> I enjoy, I really do enjoy like giving the best advice that I can that I feel comfortable giving when people ask for it. Um, and there are a lot of things I see in paddock that are fairly obvious things that I think, uh, could be easily remedied. Mm -hmm. Um, and I welcome anybody to, you know, ask for opinions or whatever.
2: So quickly what's Scott doing wrong?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, nothing. (laughs) His car is perfect is, in every way. That is false.
2: Yeah, on the Liar. arrow on jack stands is amazing.
0: <laughs> that's Ouch! Just, that's just that's rude. Mean. It's harsh. Hey, <laughs> hey! I, I, the transmission, clutch, and flywheel are now off the engine. The engine's Ooh. on the stand. Have you taken the valve cover off? So now I can work on taking the head off. So <laughs> screw you, Seth. Cars are pain. Car, Cars are oh pain. My God. Yeah, I saw that you're uh, looking for a trailer. Is that
1: true? I bought a trailer, but I don't have a truck.
0: Truck. Okay. Because
1: everybody buys trailers before trucks, right? That's the normal.
0: I I did. I did. I had to have my buddy because the trailer just showed up at Gingerman without me knowing it. And it was like, hey, I don't have a tow vehicle. Can you take this to my house, please? Yep. Yeah. I had a friend help tow
1: the trailer for me. Luckily, this trailer was in. Rochester Hills, which is like 20, like half yeah. an hour away from me and yeah. not like Chicago or wherever. Different. So I got kind of lucky there, but yeah, now I'm trying to figure out what to tow the thing with. And my engineering optimized brain is like trying to figure out what the optimal truck would be for doing this. And it's driving me crazy.
2: Good thing is the truck market is super reasonable right now. So you <laughs> oh, have <yeah>. a problem.
1: <laughs> I mean, to be honest, used truck prices are coming down but, like, new truck prices are insane. They're absolutely insane. Like, yeah, it, it's... It, it, I can't afford to buy a new truck. Like, I'm, I just can't. I'm so angry
0: a, how much I paid for my used van two and a half years later. <laughs> still angry. Yeah. Um, you, so... Explain Street GT for the people who don't know. Because it is... I don't want to say it's a strange class within Time yeah. Attack, but it's it's not your typical quote unquote builders class.
1: Yeah, uh, and I chose it because it's not a builders class because I don't I don't actually enjoy working on cars. I it I don't get pleasure out of it. No. I do it because it's cheaper and because I I want to drive. So. Uh, Street GT is probably the least well out, outside of Sunday Cup. Street GT is probably the least builders builders class there is, which in the Grid Life scheme is uh, in the Grid Life scheme. But in like normal, like in the SECa scheme, it's like a middle ground builders class. So um, yeah. Street GT is is basically a class for uh, not shit boxes. Um, it's a class for cars that started out fast from the factory mm-hmm. and that you're making faster with quote unquote basic mods um in grid life terms they're basic mods in most normal people's terms they're still pretty involved so yeah. you know there's um it allows you know coil overs uh bushing changes um wider wheels wider tires bol- uh everything you can do to the engine that's not internal to the engine. Um, so basically everything before the intake ports and after the exhaust ports.
0: So um, you can, you can turbo and supercharge. No, or? no. So like, okay. it, it
1: doesn't allow no you to induction. change the, uh, induction method, gotcha. um, or, or change drive trains or anything like that. But in terms of like bolt ons, it lets you do a it. lot for that. You know, you can change diff, uh, all that kind of stuff. Okay. Um, it allows reliability mods, things like that. <laughs> um, it, sure. Yeah. For like SCCA terms, it's very similar to what's known as like ST or SP. So street touring or street prepared. Okay. Um, it's kind of like right in the middle between those two classes. Um, and like the street touring is a very popular category in SCCA autocross. Um, it's also known as like touring in SCCA time trial speaks. Okay. Um, and that's kind of the sweet spot for me that I really enjoy. Um, like build, find a fast car, make it faster, but don't like have to worry about adding a turbo or doing an engine swap or whatever. Um, that's kind of where the sweet spot is for
0: me. Yeah. Things go downhill after that. Um, so why'd you choose What car do you drive and why'd you pick it? So I drive a C6 Corvette C06.
1: um, And I chose it because on paper, it's the car that's going to be capable of the highest power to weight um, and the best utilization of the maximum tire allowance. So Street GT has a maximum tire allowance of 315 section width. Good and God, that's God, really? In, yeah. That's yeah, and that's, all and that's in it. that's inherently going to reward whatever the lightest car is that can fit 315s. With and power, yeah. a C six Z06 is
0: that car, basically. So you So you engineered the hell out of this before yeah, you yeah, you yeah, got into it. Big time. Um Do you have any love
2: for the Corvette or is it just a tool? N-
1: no. I mean, <laughs> I have no emotional connection to I don't develop. I like cars. Okay, like I, when I have a car, I do feel sort of emotionally attached to it. But if I want to go compete in a class, I'm not like I'm just going to discard it like whatever and go find the car that's competitive. That's always been, always been my attitude. Like I, I started autocrossing in the late summer of 2014. By fall of 2014, I had bought a car that's prepared for a class. Like I didn't mess around. I didn't like build my own car that I love oh so much that has gotten me through college, blah, blah, blah. I didn't waste my time with that. I was like, I'm going to buy the car that's competitive because in my opinion, the only way that you can evaluate your own driving is if you have zero excuses for your car. If you're and especially in autocross, local autocross, especially where you don't have several people in your class and you have to understand how it does relative to everybody else. The only way to do that is if you have the car that is the best car for the class, because otherwise you can look at this. We're coming back to packs. You can look at index. You might be, you know, whatever, halfway down the list. But if your car is like some random also ran car with not competitive tires, how do you know how much of that is your driving and how much of the, how much of that is the car? You don't, you can't evaluate your driving. If the car is letting you down, so that's been a big drive. That's always been a big driver for me. Is you have to get into competitive machinery if you really want to compete and if you really want to improve as a driver, because otherwise you're you can always stand behind the excuse that the car isn't isn't enough. How do you feel emotionally when you don't win? I was. I'm. I. I. I was about to say there's something <laughs> so in here. I have. Surprisingly, I'm not, I would not consider myself a hyper competitive person. Um, I, if you talk to DJ Alessandrini, he will tell you that he feels this like pain, this like like tightness in his chest when he loses. I, I don't, I, I don't feel that way. I get upset when I don't, um, when I don't achieve my best or what I think is my best. I will, be much more upset with myself if I don't put, if I don't drive to what I, to what my limits are, or if I don't execute correctly, what I know I'm capable of. Um, and I've, you know, my first half of my trips to nationals, I've like kicked gas cans after my run days because like, and I've, because I didn't drive to what I thought was my, uh, was my best. And so, all of my frame of reference for success is whether I did, um, whether I executed um, what my potential is. Like that's that's how I measure my own success, and I found that to be a lot more conducive to a healthy improvement mindset than uh, focusing on results. I, I'm fortunate, and I do think that I have some natural ability or some inherent comfort with driving at the limit so i'm fortunate that i think my best is good enough to win a lot of things um but when i don't win it's if if i did my best if i executed to the fullest of my capabilities then i'm fine with that um iRacing is a great example um i'm not i don't spend as much really as much time as I should practicing in iRacing. I think it's a very useful tool for improving. Um, but I'm, I don't judge myself when I'm, when I'm sitting in like the top, you know, barely in the top 10 or top 15 in 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 a grid life, iRacers race, I'm happy with that because I know that that's the amount of practice and the amount of time that I've committed to it. I'm getting the most out of it. And so that's really how I judge my own, like my success or whether I'm happy with something is like whether I've executed to the best of my abilities.
0: Yeah. And that's, uh, I mean, basically sounds like you're describing internal versus external motivation. Like what really drives you? Is it Mm -hmm. other people? Like, is it the competition from other people? Is it losing? Um, Like I, I have heard DJ talking about that. I think almost more than winning it's the distaste of losing that really mm-hmm. gets him out of bed. Yeah. Um but it sounds like from what you're saying that it's really this internal motivation to improve and do your best. Now, where I want to push you just because I I want to hear I want to hear your response is then why do you need the best most competitive car? if you're internally motivated because you can't
1: have a, you can't have a clean uh, baseline without having a competitive car. Like you, you can't uh, you can't judge effectively your results and your driving um, in a car that's not competitive. So for example, you know, uh, let's say uh, this happened in club TR. Uh, I was in Club TR before Street GT. I had a, a BMW 128i um, that I mostly built for Autocross, but that had good uh, carryover or good kind of crossover into the Club TR rule set. Um, and I was uh, I was when I drove that car, I was barely I was mid pack, upper mid pack in in club TR fields, you know like in a 20 car field I'd be eighth, ninth, tenth, whatever. And I, I would look at my onboards. I would look at my videos. Um, I'd you know look at them with, with fast friends, um, and I'd feel good about my driving. But it, it, but I can't. I don't know. It's hard. There's. It's multifaceted. It's like it's it's kind of hard to push yourself internally when you know the car's an excuse. So it's a little bit difficult to be like, well, I mean, I can keep, you know, like there's no reason I need to push this section of the track or this, whatever, if I'm not going to be competitive anyway. So having a non-competitive car does reduce your motivation, uh, my motivation at least, to um, really push for like the extra little bit, like to push for that l- last percentage of pace. Um. And it, and it makes it difficult to evaluate your own progression as well. So uh, 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 the 120A in Club TR, it weighed 3,000 pounds without me in it and no arrow. I was never going to like... I, I, I'm just always going to end up 8th, ninth, 10th, like always, because it's not a K-swapped uh, BRZ, uh, Integra, whatever. Like, it's just never going to compete there. It's never going to be there. So I can't track my progress because where it is, is, is in this like free floating, you know, somewhere in the middle of the pack where if somebody, if a driver that's potentially not as quick as I am decides to gut their car all of a sudden, and now their car weighs 200 pounds less than it did. And they also had wings and now they're doing better than me. I don't know if that's them or the car. So it makes it difficult to evaluate your own driving and your own progression as a driver, in my opinion.
2: Sounds like you need PAX.
1: Yeah, PAX is the best. <laughs> yeah. PAX is really good. Like it's really good for people starting out in Autocross. Like it's really good for that. Like it's a really good motivation tool for people to to push themselves to get better at a lo- like at a local level before they really jump up into like the national scene.
2: I did like just to distract us back to that in Houston, we've got like at every event, we've got three or four jacket winners that are there. Mm -hmm. And so it was always good to like, okay look at what they did in apply packs and see how many whole seconds you are off where you you might need to be. So um, that was really good because every single event um, you had a benchmark yeah um and so i do i i feel for you with that benchmark thing and going i don't know what's holding me back but i'm a long way off and there's there's definitely some desire to get into a car where then you can be like all right so it's me who's a second and a half off and i've got things to learn
1: yeah i think that's it's really important that you get there as quickly as you like you get to that mentality as soon as possible in your driver development Like, if you want to be fast, you have to get there immediately. Um, And, you know, I, I think having a competitive no excuses car is the fastest way to get yourself there.
2: Doesn't that make it boring, though? If everybody showed up to your class in your car, would it be boring or would you just be like, cool, we're evaluating each other and that's the important
1: thing? It might be boring for spectators or people watching it's not gonna be boring for me. I, I you can check like this T chat. I'm encouraging people every day to get a Corvette because like I I want to compete. I want I need I need people to put I need people kicking my ass to push me to get faster. Like for example, I I co drove the last autocross of the season. I co drove with Tom in a friend's uh, Camaro One Le and he kicked my ass. He absolutely just obliterated me. So it's like, uh, I need that. Like I need that constant, like push to like, really to keep the motivation up. And I guess that is externally driven. Not all of my, uh, not all of my motivation is internal, but the external, you know, external motivation is still really important. Um, and it is driven by like, I see what he can do and I'm like, okay, what do I need to learn to be able to do that? And I enjoy that process of like breaking that down, internalizing that, and then executing on it and trying to be faster.
0: So if you bought a car when you were younger to go autocrossing with and you bought a different car to go to street GT, how many cars have you sold and bought for specific motorsports classes.
1: Um So let's see. Yeah,
0: okay. Uh takes time.
1: So my let Let's let's go through is, them. Let's go through. Yeah, yeah. I I think I owned Okay, my first car ever was a was a GTI VR6 and that was just cuz I wanted something unique growing yep. up, okay? Uh, I sold that when I went to college. In college uh for my first internship I bought An NB Miata, 99 Miata, that was super clean. And the only reason uh, my dad and I bought it is because it was the only one we could find on short notice. And it was better than every other car that I could find in Indianapolis at the time. Um, uh, Had it through college, whatever. First competitive autocross car that I traded that, that I sold that to buy was an NC Miata for a class called Street Touring Roadster. I spent a year in that, saw that the S2000s were more competitive, sold the NC to buy an S2000. I had that for two years. I sold that to buy a fifth-gen Camaro SS1 LE uh, to compete in the muscle car-based stock class because it was more competitive, and I wanted to haul tires in the car with me. I sold that after a year to buy an E92 M3, Because that was the car, like the car in that class. Um, And then I had that for a year. I went to spec, to the spec autocross class called spec, solo spec hoop, which is FRSs and BRZs with like minor suspension stuff. Uh, So I bought one of those. That's the first car. That's the car I went to my first good life event with. Um, I think I only did HPD in it because like I knew it wasn't going to be competitive in anything. And then I did the 128. To compete in uh, autocross, STX, street touring, extreme, and grid life Club TR. Back when Club TR was gonna be not gonna be this arms race that it is now. Um, And then I got sick of that, and I wanted to focus on grid life, on competing in grid life. So I went to the Corvette. So I guess I don't know. It's like seven or eight cars, and I've owned a total of like fifteen or sixteen cars uh, in my life. Dang. Own
0: way more cars than I have.
2: <laughs> I would say that sounds like, like not even high numbers to me. I'm like, all right, that all sounds reasonable. When yep. you don't hold on, hold
0: don't on. that's connect- don't don't take that as a compliment. This man has more uh, motorcycles in his garage. There are
1: there are well known people, and individuals in the auto community who have car numbers in the hundreds. Yeah, uh, so it's a problem. It's not. <laughs> I'm not anywhere near that. Uh. But it's easy. It's easy to discard and get new cars when you don't really build emotional connection to cars. So I'm a car psychopath. Like yeah. I'm just like, eh, whatever. You served your purpose. That, I'm out. That's see you later.
0: probably part of my problem, to be honest. Is like when I got into this whole car thing or the whole racing thing. Like I got this Miata, knowing that I was going to see competition one day, maybe wheel to wheel. Probably Time Attack because I was just in the grid life circle and that was mm-hmm. all there was at the time. Mm-hmm. And then once, you know, wheel to wheel came around, you know, the K-Swap Miata was the thing, which made a lot of sense because even in Time Attack world, like you're going to need to do that anyway. Right. And then all of a sudden, you know, it was S two thousand. Well, it was K swap Miatas. Then it was S two thousands. Now it's Corvettes, and I mean, I I genuinely don't know what the next thing. I mean, the BMW E forty six is still a great choice as well. Like there are some cars right up there. Miatas are not one of them anymore. <laughs> it's it's hard enough for professional race
1: organizations to create. Uh, equal like balance of performance. Yeah. Uh. So I've given up on I've a little bit given up on the idea of a, a small organization like Gridlife, figuring that out. That being said, I think there is a meta. I think the rules could be better written so that there's less of a meta. But I'm not in GLTC, so I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna
0: try and. Yeah, like, and I've I I've often about that. I've often said that. The rules, the shaping of the rules. I don't. I guess I can't say I don't care, but that is not at all where my energy and my attention is at. Yeah, and
1: I and I'm in this. I'm. I take the same similar attitude. Whenever I've been in an autocross class or whatever, and there's rule changes, like I'm just like whatever. I'll just change the car to accommodate those rule changes, and I'm just going to keep competing. Like it does everybody has to abide by the same rules right. it doesn't matter
0: yeah and that for me too it's like i always know there's way more on the table from my driving than there mm-hmm. is from like yeah me doing something to the car maybe yeah. i'm doing i'm going to try to do abs this winter and i think that's that might be significant uh, percentage wise maybe we'll see mm-hmm. it's all tiny drops in the bucket at this point so <laughs> All right, it
1: just it just keeps sucking more money. Like the the hobby just keeps it just you have money. Ends. I'll take the money. That's yeah. the car. The car's like I'll take the money. Give yes. me the money.
0: It is a bottomless hole. It will take as much and more. Yep. And that's why setting up proper boundaries around it is really important. And if I know something from people is they don't know how to sell set healthy boundaries. What are health? What do you mean? exactly you're supposed to limit how much money you spend on it I'm why not, didn't anybody tell me this i'm not your dad i'm not gonna tell you a damn thing to do my poor wife <laughs> my poor wife yeah how's your so, wife cope with all of this and you traveling Yeah, that's a good question <laughs> and spending um, money on 13 cars or whatever it is
1: she she is supportive of me to the extent that i don't financially ruin myself and and our future.
0: Okay. <laughs> so, and so your so your healthy boundary is your wife's <laughs> line on um, the sand.
1: I I think I have a decent sense of what too much money is at any given time. The Corvette, I think, has crossed that boundary a little bit, and I've been being I've been a little bit soft with that boundary on that car. And I will say that I think me thinking about. Her future, our future, is a better boundary establish, establishing thing than my own internal sources, unfortunately. Gotcha. So, like, yes. then I, I need that. I need that because otherwise I'll obsess and I'll just keep spending money and, like, it's not healthy.
2: So are you getting uh, emotionally what you want out of Time Attack this year?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I really... I really enjoy the format of time attack as a sport. I think I'm a better time attacker than I am an autocrosser. I've, I've trophied nationally at autocross, but I've, I've, I haven't gotten a podium. I don't. So, uh, but I think on track, I think I'm, uh, I think it's more within my comfort zone for whatever reason. Um, and I really enjoy, um, I enjoy the format. I particularly enjoy Gridlife's new um, festival format and the podium sprint. Um, yeah, uh, I, I get a lot of enjoyment out of um, finding small improvements to make every session. Um, and, and I think approaching it, watching kind of what Formula One drivers do, where you know I've always looked at their qualifying and I always see that like, Lap after lap, they're going green every lap. They're not throwing things at the wall and seeing what sticks. Like They are making very methodical uh, changes to a a couple of corners or a few corners every lap. And they're being extremely consistent with executing the rest of the lap. And they're adding small bits here and there. They're taking Mm -hmm. measured risks here and there. And that methodical approach is something that I'm enjoying trying to apply to my own driving.
0: Yeah. And that, and that's it. You know, since, since you're an instructor as well, we, we kind of see that with our students, like the the, going from one session to another, it's not just like, we'll go faster this next session, Mm -hmm. you know, break, break later this next, like it's, that kind of input is harmful. Uh, yeah. That yeah. Drilling down to the next lowest hanging fruit. Yeah. That's, that's what we can work on here. Okay. This next session, now that we got this, let's solidify yeah. it. Next step. Next step. Yep.
1: hundred percent. Um, I think it's like establishing that habit for people when they're first starting out, I think is, is like the best way of helping them uh, improve and establish good habits
0: going forward. Yeah. So let's give you a soapbox real quick. Let's have Edo's rant time. We'll put time on the clock. Biggest arrow gripe amongst the paddock. It can be Car specific, it can be element specific, or approach what whatever you want. But arrow wise, the biggest gripe you have uh, missing missing fender liners.
1: Yeah, talk about that. Um, like it, it, if you're running like a splitter or something, and you're you know that is somewhat dependent on uh, wheel well pressures you know if you don't have fender liners you're just moving all of your cooling exit flow into your wheel wells uh, and you're just like pressurizing those wheel wells uh and that's just like reduced splitters are going to be less sensitive to that than front diffusers under wings but still you're you know, it's and you're increasing drag because so you're just throwing a whole bunch of dirty air into all your suspension components and your wheel and blah blah blah. Um, and that also ties into like uh, not having proper sealing towards your radiator. Um, things like that uh, that are very like low low hanging fruit that helps anybody. Um, the, the the better airflow you have going through your, your your radiator, the more of it you can block when you don't need that extra flow. Um and that's gonna give you less drag, that's gonna make more front down force, things like that. Okay. Um so yeah, I, I but it starts, I think, like I, I, I look and I see like missing completely missing fender liners and I'm like, Okay, like this is really unnecessary.
0: <laughs> but it's it's what race cars do.
1: I don't know. Have you have you looked at gg three cars? They have fender I, I, liners I, I crazy. Have.
0: I have, it's, it's one thing at PRI I actually look specifically at, and some of the ones I've seen are actually like a, uh, a Kevlar molded, yeah. uh, liner. Yep. And it's, that was something we had, um, Tim and I had looked at a couple of years ago. It's like, what are race car Because they're hidden and they're way under there. Like, it's really genuinely hard to see what they're doing with that sometimes. So I was specifically mm-hmm. like getting my head underneath these cars to look and yeah, they're pretty well sealed up, um, yep. you know, besides whatever moving components and hoses and arms and things are sticking through there. Yep. You
2: know, when I spent a week of my life making it so that I could take out my fender liners and my accord with zoos, like each of my fender liners is held in with like six zoos and I can go and go click, 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 click and pop the fender liners out and do anything that I need behind them. And everybody's like, that's the dumbest thing in the world. And I was like, best thing I did to my car. Yeah, um, and it's it is completely idiotic, but I love it. I love everything about it. It's my favorite.
1: Yeah, thing. that's the best part is when you obsess over things that like are seemingly small, but you really like. I, I it it bothers me when like you know are wrong, like fixing it is is satisfying.
0: Yeah, the one of the things that we kind of continually work on and you know this last year I haven't been able to pay like work on it too much but like make the under tray and front bumper as easy to take off and put on as possible. Yeah. And the the under tray is pretty damn easy. Um the radiator ducting is pretty damn easy. The bumper is a work in progress, but it's not bad. <laughs>
2: just make the hardware match. So you only need one size wrench. Like nothing's more infuriating when you go to take an under tray off yeah. and you're like, all right, I need a 12 and a 13 and a 14. And I'm
1: there's, like, there's trust me that. there's a lot of requirements in the background happening from like a variety of different functional groups that are driving <laughs> choices for hardware and mounting methodology. And it's a pain in the ass. Like, it just is. And like, as cars have advanced and become, you know, like uh, companies have gotten all this feedback from a century of people driving their cars, they develop these very specific requirements to prevent bad things from happening to their customers. And that just drives a whole bunch of requirements that end up like the, the, the last thing on the totem pole is like, oh, they have to switch to like this like socket, oh woe is them. Like, but at least it won't it'll never fall off or it can withstand this much impact or blah blah blah, whatever. Like, yeah, there's there's a whole like background of functional requirements that drive all of that stuff. It's a thing. but when
2: but when you're building something and you choose the hardware and you choose multiple sizes, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's infuriating to me.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I need quick release everything, basically.
2: Absolutely, I zoos are the best things in the world. Yeah, I love them so much. Yeah. They're yeah.
0: great. I need to get on the it for some reason. Like figuring out the depth and all that stuff of what you need just still confuses the hell out of me. I need to. I need to just look at it for longer. I haven't looked at it for very long.
2: So Be willing to make mistakes because you can buy them in different
0: lengths. Yeah, but buy and- money.
2: Well, McMaster know, car but, is
0: your friend it is and they ship yeah. so quickly well probably to everywhere at this point but
2: but it's okay to just like buy a couple in each size and be like all right this is actually the size I need before you yeah. buy a hundred of them
1: or be like me and never prep a car to a level where you're doing <laughs> custom fabrication like that no, and then stuff, you avoid the whole problem
2: stupid fun stuff is fun that's why it's stupid and fun so the
1: fun part is driving
0: not the building <laughs> <laughs> yeah, driving
2: so, is too expensive.
0: <laughs> the so you won the thing this year. Is there still a challenge for you in staying in it next year? Absolutely. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, the car has. Uh, I focused this last season on the highest, like I think, lap time sensitivity things that I could do, uh, which was uh, the widest possible tires and all the power and the car drives like a horse-drawn carriage because it's on leaf springs which is a horse-drawn which is a horse-drawn carriage technology. Yeah. Uh, so it's not necessarily because of the li- leaf springs it's because GM designed it for old men to like I don't know like do 160 miles an hour down some random highway I, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Straight so yeah, car. I mean there's the car is really difficult to drive right now. Um and I'm looking forward to making it less difficult to drive next year. So how much um, how
0: much are you spending on shocks this winter?
1: I that's a, that's complicated. Uh, nope. it's I, not, looking, There's a price tag on help. that. <laughs> uh, I'm looking for you know for partners to help develop that part go. of the car with me. Um, I'm still kind of looking for for that. Um, I'm talking to a couple people um i mean whatever it's gonna take i'm gonna do it for next year because i'm not i'm not spending another another season on leaf springs on the stock leaf springs that's not happening yep. um anyway I'm, I'm trying to figure that out but good but good shocks are really expensive so yep i i took i took a zero apr credit card out and to to make the financial decision less bad wow
0: and that my wife is aware of sounds this terrible
1: I, my wife is aware of this, so I'm not hiding yeah. anything, but
0: yeah, I hate it. If Trust you're me, listening to it. this podcast for financial advice, you know, you're in the wrong place yeah. anyway. Don't do it. <laughs> the,
1: the financial advice is don't get into cars as a hobby. Like that's, I mean, I think yeah. if you build like show cars or whatever, like whatever, clean, buff your thing and like spend money <laughs> on detailing products, good for you. But if you like, but don't, Become. Don't try and get into competitive driving at all because you're just gonna like, you're you're just gonna end up with no money. The
0: the hard part is even even with the car show world, that's a competition that keeps evolving too. Like we we talked with Katil about this a couple years ago now, and I mean that's a deep dark world too. It's like it's the pitfalls are everywhere, man. <laughs> Dude,
1: Elz uh, Hunt. Jay Z Hunt, LZ Hunt. I'm I'm really not, you know, the same. The I'm not. I don't. I'm not into like that. You know, I don't know all the popular YouTuber people. These oh, days. but Adam LZ. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever that dude. Uh, he bought a, a BMW M4, and then he managed to get his hands on a complete M4 GT3 body kit, and try to put it on his M4, and he did. But it's like some monstrosity thing and it's all for like the car show thing. And it's like, I kind of cringe a little bit thinking about it. it's cool, but it's like, like, is this, is this, is this the best use of, of our time as, as, as humanity? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. It- I, I, but you know what? Yep. Different strokes for different folks. I'm not, <laughs> I shouldn't judge people and what they're into, it's yeah. just not how I would be spending my money.
0: As uh, as that other podcast, 1010th says, uh, we don't kink shame. That's right. But that's right. Yeah, it's a thing. So you're going to spend, uh, spend some money on some suspension stuff, try to go faster and have a car that doesn't want to kill you as much.
1: Yeah, that's the goal.
0: Good. Are you hoping yeah, and- competition shows up to like really push you?
1: Say that again?
2: Are you hoping competition is there next year to like force you to be the best version of yourself?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, I'm not trying to take away from the people that are there now. Um, people like Andy, um, Kevin, uh, you know, those guys, I mean, Jackie, but Jackie has said he's going to street mod with that M2. Um, like all of those guys are great competitors. I really enjoyed competing against them. You know, they, they, you know we really push they really push me as well um but i welcome like any new competition or any more prep level and more you know faster builds um because that's that's the only way that that's going to be my motivation to to also keep pushing myself
0: nice well do you have uh anybody to thank or uh say hi to besides your uh, incredibly awesome wife
1: yeah. Uh Ali, I love you. You're the best. <laughs> um my parents for raising me and giving me uh generational opportunities to like get the education that I got. Um more more uh pluggingly uh Hawk for supporting me last year. Um they helped a lot with brake pads, brake fluid and stuff. Um yeah, I hope I can uh I hope I can come back on and uh, talk about more sponsors maybe next year.
0: Yeah, come on by man, we'll we'll talk. I uh, I was really crap at doing the actual track walking series this summer um, because I was tired and things were falling apart, so I didn't quite have the uh, the bandwidth to just like walk around a track with uh, a microphone looking at camber and
1: yeah and grooves. I, Sorry, go ahead. No,
0: no, that was it. Uh, I
1: I feel like I I like talking about the techniques of improving as a driver and like the things to look for and um I, I, yeah that, I feel like that's something I didn't hit enough on here. Yeah. <laughs> so I like I like talking about that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah. Well, let's uh yeah let's look forward to that next year. Um I think that'll be a good one. We'll we'll pick a track we I haven't walked before. Um, I actually
1: have never walked I, I've walked NCM. that's all I've walked I've never mm-hmm. walked oh I walked Intermin at Midwest Fest in the dark that was fun but yes. that, that's about they're it they're
2: repaving they're repaving mid-Ohio too right so oh, yeah. that'll be a whole new experience I have I a do.
0: rant on I that I am so devastated that they are repaved <laughs>
1: it's it's good and bad I also really enjoy the low grip surface although I hate it in the wet and I know you have opinions on that I do wrong strong ones um <laughs> They're just wrong. Uh, but I'm looking forward to a lot more grip and faster laps with some new pavement. I think that'll be sweet. Well,
0: how dare you come on this show and call me wrong, sir.
1: I, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I, ice rink. I don't like driving on ice rinks. That's just me. It's not what I'm into. But I, again, I don't kink Yeah, That's what you're into, man. Go for it.
0: We are at Track Walking Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. Trackwalking chats on Facebook is where we hang out the most. Um, if you could leave us a rating, share your favorite episode, um, do all that stuff. It helps us out. And, uh, we'd like to be helped sometime. So thank you, Ito, uh, for the three of us. I'm Scott. And I'm Seth. And I'm Ito. We'll talk to you next week.